0: Welcome to Ponder Property, the new Whitney and District podcast. <laughs> right, so first one then, VTUK celebrate 30 years in January 2019. If we're going to go through last year, let's start with the good stuff. And you've been in business how long, Tim? Uh,
1: 36 years estate agency today. Yeah, similar time, 30, <laughs> 35 plus um, estate agency and then property so letting and But, you know, congratulations, Peter and VTUK and the team because... Um, you know it's, it's an amazing achievement. Um, so I hope you celebrated well. We, we did later on in the year, Go actually. Party. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
0: yeah, Tim was actually there. Um, none of us managed to die or fall off the boat, which was good. <laughs> we survived. <laughs> so, anyway, not much else happened in January. Um, in February, we had Arla's snapshot, which revealed that 26% of landlords were increasing rents due to the fee ban compared to 18% in December. Now, I would say that's about normal, um, to be increasing going
1: into the new year. uh... Yeah, I mean, clearly there was a lot going on, wasn't there, Um, at the time with the threat of the fee ban, and then it moved on from a threat to reality. So uh, I think rents, you know, should be going up annually anyway if agents are doing their job. Um, You know, most people want a pay rise. Okay, if you've been working for the health authority or government services, you haven't had a pay rise for a long time. Uh, But landlords expect a pay rise. And, you know, I think most landlords expect that to be, you know, in line with inflation. Yeah. But there will be these sort of uh, ups and downs, given you know government interference, and this is certainly a good example, of, in my opinion, of government interference. Also, also compared to after the fee ban, where there was
0: sixty-three uh, percent uh, of, of rents went up in July and fifty-five percent in June, which is more than double mm. that amount. So I'm not sure that was a, a huge news story in February. No, but it's certainly by, by June and July, by then, isn't it? rents were going up
2: at a hell of a rate. So i I only deal with sales i'm not in the lettings market at all in my part of the business but we uh, understand that what's happening is the fee ban is costing landlords money and to recoup that fee ban they're putting the rents up which means it's probably going to be coming out of the tenants pocket just
1: in a different way would that be that's the theory i think it's very hard for people to get hard and fast you know data on exactly what's happening i mean that was the perception when it was first introduced in scotland um but then you have interferences such as you know the aberdeen market sort of um, you know collapsing with sort of oil and so, so there are these other things that can come and interfere with the, the data but I think the theory everybody worries about is that you know the, the tenants are going to be the ones that suffer at the end of the day because landlords will and agents will find a way it's the agents we're talking about here really, it is their uh, fee income which was withdrawn yeah. or removed from them literally virtually overnight um, so but I think there's other things going on such as the taxation influences on landlords so that's meant that some landlords have just said enough is enough and I'm out of it. So, effectively, you've got a less uh, stock you know, of available property to rent. Um, and that, of course, puts pressure on the existing rent. So you know, there are, I think, varying factors that come into creating these sort of you know, headline statistics. Rents normally just bob along with inflation, um, you know, excepting when you've got those exceptional circumstances as we've just t- talked about.
0: Well, that doesn't tell us
1: as well, of course. It says the number of rents were increased, but it doesn't say by how much. No. Yeah, well, that, that's where the data becomes more meaningful. And, you know, um, talking about software and things, yeah. you know, that's the sort of stuff that I think we uh, we, we, could do within the business is just a bit more real-time data about, yeah. you know, what, what's actually happening. And surely most property companies have got budgets, so they're probably setting an anticipated increase in what they're going to try and drive, you know, the rents up. I mean, yeah. we are we are able to sort of influence markets, not to the extent government do with the magic wands that they suddenly produce. But, you know, like in your business, Tim, if we really wanted to, I'm not talking about cartels or anything here, I'm talking about, um, you know, (laughs) openly... (laughs) 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 I I definitely Ah. want to make that point. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, the fact that um, if you've got hot spots in areas and, you know, we go and value a property and we say we can achieve that rent or we can achieve that price, you know, that then sort of drives those those upwards and if there's a certain demand to live in a particular area which happens sometimes I mean in and around Oxford Kidlington, when they opened the partway rail station that definitely had a, a genuine impact which you could measure on set sale prices and it also had an impact on rents because people wanted to live in close proximity to that new rail station the yeah. first for 70 years that linked to a London mainline you know mainline into London so, so people want to be there yeah increases the demand absolutely puts the sale prices and the rental prices up yeah, yeah. so you know we we can directly uh, have an influence and and uh, you know if, if we want to so i think yeah. what, we'll, what we'll try and do for the next podcast is try to get some hard figures yeah on how much the rent's gone up by rather than just a yeah. number of rents. yeah there is a so, government index i don't think it's widely known that tracks rents now yeah um and places like new zealand they're really good at it so you know as a tenant you can actually go and log on and you can find out Uh, You know regions. You know what sort of deposit amounts are being taken on average. uh, What the sort of rents are, and you get much more data as a consumer. Okay. Note to self. (laughs) Yeah. Note to self. So, then in March,
0: just to show that the uh, continued process of constantly legislating for the industry was continuing, um, the Homes Fit for Human Habitation Act came into force, uh, which was an interesting challenge for a lot of our agents. Um, Zoopla banned no DSS advertising on its website. Yeah, not something that would, have, would affect you, but what do you think of that? From?
1: Well, I think it's well, two things. One is the, the yet another piece of legislation. I just want to get this out of the way and off my chest. You know, enough is enough is enough of this constant tweaking of legislation. Um, if they listen to people like Julie Rugg, Dr. Julie Rugg, who's an uh, academic who's written extensively on housing, um, she's written a really good report that says the current legislation, which was written effectively 30 years ago if, you know, in terms of the Housing Act, which is what controls British tenancies at the moment, is not fit for purpose, and it shouldn't be tinkered. It's like building several extensions on the back of your house, and then a couple more for the sake of it, and then it's all corridors and no windows, and you know, nobody can find their way around. That's exactly how the, the legislation, so the pensions legislation, has, has become equally complicated yeah. so that pension advisors don't understand it. So that's crazy. So it actually, is a real challenge now for agents and for landlords Odd to means. understand the legislation. And with, So with all this yeah. experience, and, th- and this coming from the estate agency, it's
0: exactly what Tim was saying, isn't it? We were just upstairs <laughs> talking about, in, in basic, simple terms, what happens
2: uh, in the sales industry is you have all these different systems. That if the operators of the systems do a good job, they work well. And we talked about the, the key book as a yeah. basic system. Yeah. So you've got a, you take a key from a client, you tag it up with a security number, you pop it on that hook there, you enter the security number into book, that's kept under lock and key. When a surveyor comes in for a key, you go to the book, you get the number, you get the key, you sign it out, the surveyor goes to do his job. When he comes back in, you get the book, you sign it back in, you put it back up on the hook and, and all as well. What happens one day is the surveyor comes in for a key, go to the hook, there's nothing there. Everyone's embarrassed, Or just let me have a look for you. And what it turns out to be is that perhaps the negotiator did the review a couple of days ago put it in the glove box. <laughs> so that system failed. So what uh, a lot of big companies do is they bring in a system that says okay now every Monday morning 8 till 9 we're gonna check our keys so the manager has to check that all the keys that have gone out have been signed back in all the hooks one day a surveyor comes in no key there so now the area manager needs to check that the managers are checking and this is your extension model isn't Mm, it yeah and then you have a regional director has to check that that person's doing that
1: job doing that job. just becomes faster and unmanageable just change the system or change the person yeah absolutely you know that's the simple way around isn't it so you know obviously that is uh easier said than done because it requires you know you know completely new uh, a completely new act but i i suspect that you know we're going to get more of it, so I don't think that that's going to change. And I, you know, banning DSS advertising well, yeah, it's a complicated area that because clearly landlords have in their minds a certain type of tenant yeah. uh, associated with DSS. You know, sometimes there's stigmas. I mean, hey, there's still a stigma attached to renting, amazingly, you know, when actually it suits the majority of people initially, certainly if you were younger, because it gives flexibility. Yeah. Um, I think what's happened is that sadly you know, the accommodation that we used to build, which was social accommodation, uh, now perhaps called affordable through housing association. You know, we've not been building enough of it, so it comes back to all of this lack of government um, you know, initiatives. We've not been building enough properties. We, we, we stopped building council homes. In fact, we sold the council homes back to the owners, which was wonderful. Um, but actually, the money that was procured from those sales didn't go back into building new homes. Yeah. So the private rented sectors ended up uh, taking the load from the social sector uh, in addition to a growing uh, demand for people to use the private rented sector. So poor old private rented sectors ended up having people from all walks of life coming saying I want to rent this property. Hence you then get you know the, the noise when people go to Citizens Advice and other things and say these agents don't want to know about us. Yeah. Um, and it's got horribly you know mixed up. Um, and you know that's i think where we where we are so you might be wondering why zoopla's done it if there is if there is a discussion to be had around no dss advertising well it's not healthy is it to be banning any sort of you know we've got um prejudice enough in in our world without starting to single out you know uh, you know different sort of types and individuals so i I think this it's important point here is that the government need to you know, work with the industry uh, to make sure that we've actually got a supply of accommodation that meets all needs. If you look at what's happening in the retirement world, you know, it's obvious we're living longer and so on and so forth, so there's a lot of focus at the moment on retirement villages, retirement homes. Um, I don't think we want to be talking about retirement. Well, just we're sure. all going to do it. But we've got to have a housing system in this country, which is what this directly relates to really, you know, that, that actually can accommodate all types rather than one just taking the pressure. And at the
0: same time in March, that poor agent who's trying to find his keys is told <laughs> that he needs to open 90 separate bank accounts so that he could be compliant to C&P. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crazy. Which um, uh, Arla reliably tell me actually isn't necessarily the case. Um, Okay, moving on to April. Um, Government's now announced its intention to abolish Section 21. Don't get any more angry, Frank.
1: I'm not angry. (laughs) I'm just frustrated, really, because, you know, I, like many of my colleagues, we engage with government, we engage with the civil servants that advise them, and we talk about these things. Then suddenly you sort of pick up the iPhone one morning or your laptop, and you see that, you know, the government have just introduced something. So that's the frustration. Um, I mean, again, I would just urge them to read the data and make sure that these things are based on facts. Uh, The key here is to bring this, uh, or to remove Section 21. Is all about, you know, um, evicting people because you don't like somebody. Actually, the reality of the statistics that I've seen is that 90% plus of tenancies are ended by tenants, and not landlords. So actually, why therefore would you be even messing around with removing Section 21 if the data is telling you something completely different? If it was the other way round, then I would say yes, of course, Section 21 is not working. They're trying to
2: get a small section of the landlord market and, into
0: line, and they bring in rules that affect the majority yeah. of
2: those that are already it's compliant.
0: Around that Section 21, is a whole raft of compliance and and, sa- and safety and security for tenancies.
1: Um, from our point of view, of course, that was six months' development yep. to get yep. the software. It's just well, gone. If we go back to New Zealand, they've got housing courts in place. Uh, we're just beginning to start thinking about if we're relying on Section 8 and not Section 21 any longer. We need housing courts. We need to speed up the process. Who's about section eight What section eight well section eight is another um uh, part of the act that allows you to repos- you get repossession of your property um and it's more long-winded and you would have to go through the courts so the courts are busy right. at the moment and there's this long wait so the government have said if they are going to remove section 21 they will uh, beef up the landlord's ability to repossess his property under section 8 but you know only giving certain uh preset rec- you know um, uh, things that will give you, you know, like I want to sell my property or I want my member of family to use the property there will be you know some key mandatory uh, sort of subjects where you can get the property back but it's not going to work if you haven't got then the facility behind that either courts that understand section 8 that can give the landlord you know a quick response and in New Zealand they've been running these housing courts for, for a lot longer than we have so again I would just urge those that are making all these sort of ideas up to a look at other countries where housing courts are sort of working because you know it's easy to say we're going to remove section 21 um, but you've got to think about the
2: consequences yeah so my understanding of section 21 is that's the bit that gives the landlord the right to say. it's a mandatory right back. to say I'm giving you two months notice to bring this tenancy to an end so if you had a private landlord who was uh, had to work abroad for a year and wanted to rent the home out and section 21 was removed if that landlord came back and said I want to move into my home again does that removal of that? Does that mean they might not be able to get the tenant out? Or? Well, it
1: all depends on how they replace the ability for a landlord to you know to get their okay, their, their. The their suggestion home back. is that there'll
0: be three reasons that you can actually have your property back, and one of them is I want to move back into it. Right. Um, I want to sell
1: so. it. Yeah, yeah. that'll be one of them, and then so other reasons that you know you don't have to go to the court to sort of you know talk to the judge about it. But the, the, the I think every every
0: landlord certainly will be living in his house before he rents it out well isn't that going to make
1: landlords less likely new landlords less likely to want to rent their houses? exactly so we come back to we're talking about rents and rents rising because of taxation here's another hit effectively to landlords um and for some it will just be the final straw so again it's about being careful what you wish for because you could just see the private rented sector shrinking even further yeah i think we've got a few
0: more straws to go yet frank last year (laughs) (laughs) so the next one um also in april epc laws came into force on the first of April, meaning that any property let under a new or a new tenancy must meet at least uh, band E for the EPC. Now, this is interesting for us, because we're doing a lot of work on environmental <coughs> viability of properties. Um, it seems to be a big target for the government to, to focus on um, properties and, and energy usage and so forth. Um, I don't think that will stop at band E, and I'm sure that that will move up. Yeah. What could be interesting, though, and I'm wondering what your thoughts on this are, Tim, is... um. What about for new properties, or not, sorry, for properties for sale? Um,
2: in the sales market, if uh, the thing that I was thinking about here, in the sales market, if a property's grade two listed, it didn't need an EPC. Is that the same for this uh, lettings legislation? Yes. Yeah, yeah. they're exempt. Yeah, okay. Um, I think uh, the energy performance of properties is very important because there are quite a few leaky buckets around, aren't there? And from the sales market, if you have a high grade uh, EPC, it doesn't mean you're gonna get more free property. If you're low grade, it doesn't mean you're gonna get less. Mm. What it does mean, though, is when a buyer buys a property, they get the EPC, not just the graph, but they get the three or four pages after it. And it says this is what you need to do to make your home more energy efficient. Mm. And if a buyer is going to do some work to a house, why not take these things into account at the t- time they do those works? Yeah. So I think from a sales point of view, uh, for a seller to buy an EPC is you know 70 or £80, so it's not a big spend. Uh, it does give the buyer some pointers as to where they should go. So I don't
1: think it's affected the sales market at all. I think what's missing is uh, incentives to uh, people to actually uh, you know do the work that is necessary to improve the rating. So you know there's no tax incentives for landlords really um, to sort of improve the energy efficiency of the property. The green deal that was fizzled out mm-hmm. it was a good idea in principle, um, but it all got loaded back onto effectively the tenant who or the uh, you know the, uh, the person living in the property was paying the bills. So you know we need to look at ways of finding. Sort of grants, Um, and because there's a limit with the sort of nature of the the construction and the age of a lot of the buildings in the UK, you know they're either Victorian or pre-Victorian, or you know twenties with solid, you know, uh, brick walls which bleed heat through. And there's a limit to you know the extent of you know how you can improve some of these properties. Um, So it's a nice aspiration that you know all our properties should be built to the highest possible level. And when new build, that's obviously more straightforward. But you know with the historic Sort of stock that we have in this country, you've got to sort of put something in place to help people, I think, achieve that that's simple and easy to work.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Then finishing off April, Climate Road Protection came in, great. Um, In May, HMRC's updated its. Well, so I just would sorry. say,
1: sorry to interrupt you there, just that um, no, I think that's actually one of the things that was long overdue to bring in <laughs> yes, um, because true. it was madness. Just as feels it, like it's been coming. Yeah, for a long as time. it is, it <laughs> can, you know, you if you fly somewhere, you, you know, you're a member of, you know, you know the airline is, is going to get you back and all that. And we had that with Thomas Cook recently. At least those people eventually came back because you know, Abta, you know, sort of came in and you know, people got their flights back and got home. So it's quite wrong, I think, that all the money that's now taken in the property world, particularly letting, was not protected, and now it is. Hooray! Yeah. yeah, at the risk of being a stats gun, um, twenty sorry,
0: eighty-two percent of landlords aren't aware that that's legislation. Well, that that's right. our, uh, that's an industry <laughs> issue, yeah. isn't it? Yeah,
1: that's up to us in the industry to push the message out there that you know w- you know every, everybody is now under that scheme. So. Well, so you got hit in April, Tim. Um, HMIC updates as AML and yeah. the new
0: guide is 71 pages yes. long was yeah. that a good read? Uh, it was <laughs> a good read I've read it several
2: times and I've only taken little uh, little nuggets uh, but I think essentially um, it's another system we just need to crack on with we've got a sensible system now we need to uh, get uh, verification documents from the buyer verification documents from the seller sometimes it's seen as a little bit of a pain but we just have to do it and crack on with it Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how we could uh, launder people's money because in the sales side we, we don't touch any money the only money we get is our commission when the sale has gone through and yeah. by the time it gets paid to us that's our money and the we sister has their own duty yeah to know and family. they verify the clients anyway yeah. I think the only the only relevance I can see it from the sales point is that we need to be aware that if that transaction looks a bit suspect if that buyer looks a bit suspect if that sale was property's only bought recently and it's been sold again quite quickly maybe we need to flag that up and yeah. so if we see suspicious activity we have a duty to report that, but why we need to go to lengths we do to verify uh, sellers and buyers when the solicitors do it already anyway? I'm not too sure. I think,
0: but as you say, a good read. I think Brexit made us less, less, and less of an obvious place for money laundering yes. anyway, didn't it? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, more things to to upset you here, Frank. Um, in May, agents have to explain and display all of their referral fees. Have to be upfront up front about sales methods they deploy, modern methods of auction, and so forth. It's, you've read, when I'm reading through this you think every day you, you, you think nothing has changed and then you look back over a year and you realise actually just about yeah. everything has changed yeah. in, in one year a lot on the letting side not so much on the sales side
1: yeah yeah, yeah I mean it's, well it was ever that I guess but equally you know this is it's all good stuff it's just I think you, you know there needs to be a limit as to how much the government expect uh, businesses to ad- adapt all of this yeah. that's the problem um, you know, if we had a new piece of legislation, we could all learn about that. Leg- like we did the Housing Act when it was introduced in 1989, we all learnt about it. We went to you know um, sort of lessons and tutorials, and we read about it, and we were all ready for it. Yeah. Um, whereas this stuff suddenly you know appears, and then there's a scramble around for everybody to try and train their staff. And you know, to be ahead of the game with some of this is particularly if it's relentless, as it has been. Yeah.
0: Well, this, the next one in May might, might be a, an indication as to something we are slightly ahead of, mm-hmm. which is um, research by property solvers finds Scottish, Scottish properties sold 28% faster than those in England and Wales as a result of information being released quicker through a home report slash HIP. Um, well, I'm actually participating in a, in a government body um, called the Home Buying and Selling Group, where we're actually talking about um, a, a scheme to create these kind of information packs um, using blockchain and information from all the different stakeholders which hopefully will be um, trialled this year good so um, this could be huge it could it could reduce um, times quite a lot um, although <coughs> as Tim yeah. was saying to me upstairs uh, if everybody was doing their job properly then we probably wouldn't, wouldn't
2: need, need it would you um, I think in my time in the business on the sales side I've seen uh, originally we had this thing called transaction and the arrow going through a picture of a house You remember that transaction yeah. which was a a non-obligatory uh, scheme you didn't have to participate in it, but it would mean you the seller's list would get all the information first and then pass it on to the buyer's list as, as soon as the sale was agreed. Uh, we then had uh, home information packs, didn't we? We've had various stabs, uh, informal and formal, at getting this sorted. But I think uh, my point to this is that we have a system that, albeit a bit clunky in the sales side, do you know it does work? if uh, the agent puts together the memorandum of sale when a sale has agreed and gets it out promptly with all the correct information goes to the solicitor they're then able to uh, get the deeds in they're able to create a contract and send it out in a timely way when that lands with buyer solicitors they raise the searches they have to get the money from the buyer sources to apply for the searches so it's quite a complicated process but actually we have a look at it and, and if everybody did everything they need to do on the day they were asked to do it we think you'd be ready to exchange contracts within about two weeks. Yeah. And therefore it's not the system that is at fault in making the English process slower. Obviously Scotland has a different uh, conveyancing process. It's not the system that's in fault, it's the operators and it. It could be the estate agents, the lawyers, could be the mortgage brokers, the surveyors. But if a piece of work came in and a request for activity came in, if that was actioned quite quickly by the client, by the solicitor, by the estate agent, by the mortgage broker, by the bank, it would work fine yeah the problem is when uh, in my opinion when uh, the consumer and I'm a consumer of lots of products as well when the consumer derives down prices the margins in all these different areas uh, get squeezed and therefore the case loads they have to take on increases the more work somebody has to do the less quality they can uh, apply to it and the longer it takes so I think there's a an area here to say Actually, let's spend some time getting the system we've got working, rather than trying to scrap it in the sales side and yeah. start all over.
0: The, the, the trouble is, of course, the quality agency as you are, um, a Swedish a Swedish memo comes to mind. <laughs> but it's a Swedish saying, which is a pack of wolves travels at the speed of the slowest. Same um, with our industry. That chain will proceed at the yeah, rate of yeah. the slowest transaction. Quite
2: yeah. often, you know four or five in a chain. These were already going three or four weeks. This one here. Uh, solicitors away or the surveyor doesn't send a report back or the broker doesn't package the caves up or the agent puts mistakes
1: into the memorandum sale and then the whole chain is uh, slowed down by that well, one I think one of the things that the group's looking at is a way of sort of naming shaming those that aren't pulling their weight um, and that's what it needs I'm afraid because you know if it's a block manager <coughs> sitting on some inquiries before contract and that's holding the whole chain up yeah. it's not right that somebody's lives or several people's lives are affected to the point that people pull out, which is what happens in our system, as Tim's just described so, you know, I think everything that's being done at the moment to speed up the process even the reservation agreement that they're experimenting with, hopefully will just give it that edge that it's lacked So should we talk about the reservation agreement whilst we're on it?
2: Yeah. So we were talking about upstairs, and this is a a scheme that's designed to encourage the seller to put in a sum of money when the sale is agreed and a buyer is encouraged to put in the same It's held in a separate account and if the seller or buyer pulls out they lose the money. Uh, I think again that's uh, a new scheme that is uh, potentially going to do more harm than good and I think that because a lot of our business is done uh, on the hoof so people are just casually looking and they're casually thinking of selling and Uh, the owners will uh, give us instructions to show people around but don't want to go to the market and I think if you bring something in that formalizes that point in the transaction which is well shall I try and offer, or shall I not
1: I think you might scare people away and again half the problem so you've just given a good example there where I'm say the buyer going along to a half-hearted vendor yeah I genuinely want to buy it and then I find after a couple of months that the owners have had to change heart yeah I've committed funds I've got a survey I've got a mortgage going, whatever, and suddenly I'm out of pocket. The, the fund
0: deposit would be when the offer is accepted. Yeah. So you, we can have all of our casual, maybe I might offer on, put a few offers in the thing. Yeah. It's at the point where you say, yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll sell you the property for that. And yeah, now yeah. I've said, yeah, okay, I'm gonna offer you that. And then I put the money in. So you
2: what, what we're trying to do with this is reduce the number of transactions that fall over after the sale has been agreed, subject to contract. Okay, well, in my opinion, industry average is about one in three, so 33, 34, 35% of transactions fall over. I think the majority of those could be saved or not put together in the first place if the agent did the job properly in the first place. Yeah, Because I think a lot of businesses target uh, uh, different, li- different parts of the, of the uh, transaction line, if you like. Listings, get more sales, do more viewings and a lot of businesses, particularly big businesses, I've been there myself, they target sales greed. So get that seller to agree to sell to that person at that price, and that's the point in time they pop the champagne yeah. Um As a business owner now, my point is focused on the day of completion, handing over keys, and everything we do is, is driven towards that point in time. I think the solution to this issue is not getting sellers and buyers to agree to pay deposits, because uh, it might stop some of those loose transactions coming together, I think the fix to this solution is to get sales tied up properly in the first place. Check your buyer's finance. Check the seller's motivation. People do have changes of mind. They do have change of heart. They change the circumstances. Yeah. So well, you can't
1: save them all. From I think my that point goes view, back to what's happening with the. Uh, maybe we're going to touch on it, the potential um, uh, perspective of regulating the industry as a whole, so that you know education, education, education. It's nicely with location, 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 but, you know, there's sadly still a lot of people who are doing estate agency and indeed, you know, letting side of the estate agency who aren't as well trained or as experienced as your good self. So the industry well, has got to get me slated Let me they and they play my golden and, card. And,
0: and, and also uh, buyers. Uh, yeah. Bu- buyers aren't educated. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, education. And, uh, if they, especially yep. if they're young people buying their first property. Yeah, agreed. Yep. You, know, you don't get taught at school how to buy a house. No. Um, but £2,000 and having to put that down might make you think, I'll educate myself here as to exactly what I'm getting into.
2: I think we're in the wrong place. I, I think my golden card to fix the majority of issues, definitely on the sales side, and most likely on the letting side, I don't know, is the licensing of the agencies that do the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we have to have a license to sell property, to get that license, you need to do this training, you need to understand that part of the process, you need to operate at this kind of level. If you have to have a license to sell property, that will be taken away if you don't do it properly. I think that will get rid of the need for all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Here. I don't disagree
1: with that. In, yeah. I have yeah.
2: some friends in real estate in America and they're charging five, six, seven percent. Uh, but if they don't do the job properly, they won't be able to trade. Yeah. And if we, we, we have the National Association or NFOBP yeah. here, so we, we can uh, associate ourselves with the professional bodies if we so choose. Yeah. But you could decide to be a, a teacher today and an estate agent tomorrow, but you couldn't be a an estate agent today and a
0: teacher tomorrow well, you, you've interested he jumped us forward to July which I'm quite happy to be in it's my birthday okay. month as it's well it's the summer um, it's the summer because Roper was announced the regulation the regulation of property agents yep. um, now I was involved in this 12 years ago at that time it was called the register of property agents so it's slightly different right. um, but it basically it was it came from the fact that Countrywide had found that they had employed somebody um on many occasions, not the same person, but employed individuals who had been sacked for gross misconduct, and had then found them working for another one of their brands just down the road. Oh, um, so we were trying to track where these these rogue agents, if you like, were popping up. Yeah. Um, and we'd looked at grandfathering systems to bring people into the industry, and it, it always did used to come back to licensing. We didn't go anywhere. So when it was launched in in July this year, I thought it's fantastic. It's back again. Um, uh, we've
1: done a little bit of research, and since then.
0: There's nothing. <laughs> well
1: obviously Brexit and uh, elections and everything got in the way, but I think it's, yeah. it's going, it's going, the government are about to announce their uh, intentions in terms of pushing it forward and you know, it looks like it will require a licence, it will require some degree of education and testing before you can become a, a licensed agent and then it's all down to the policing isn't it, as you talked earlier about you know, how that is then. Uh, so you know, do you think this will end up with a financial
0: services type model? Where you're an indi- pro- independent property advisor um, you don't get to charge commission anymore everything's done on fees um, could and, well and, do and possibly on retainers
1: as well, well it's, it's too early to say i think i mean but th- th- clearly you know we've got issues in the industry um it, it does have to go hand in hand with the education side that you can have as many people licensed as possible but the public as you say, the consumer you know does need to be sort of educated as well but I, I think it's quite wrong that you can sit in front of an accountant or a lawyer they've been to lawyer and accountancy school, you know, you, you expect that they will be trained and qualified and they have to do CPD, you know. But you sit in front of an estate agent or somebody who's about to put a roof over your head, a letting agent, um, it's quite wrong that those people aren't qualified. Yeah. And i felt that for years. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think I'm in a, a minority any longer. Um, and, you know, think life's moved on and I, I, I don't think it's right that somebody can be giving that advice. If they're not actually qualified. A friend of my daughter's started estate agency on Monday this week, and
2: uh, on Wednesday she had four viewings that she did on her own, nobody with her, not with my business, of yeah. course. <laughs> uh, and on Saturday, I think she had 14 viewings lined up, and she was sent one to the other to the other. She had 15 minutes in each property, 10 minutes travel time, showing people around she'd never met before into homes she'd never seen before. Dear and you know, her safety. Yeah. How does she know? She can't have been trained in a week how to look after herself. Yeah. She can't have been trained how to look after her client's property. And uh, it's not her fault, uh, but I think that company needs to take responsibility and say that person is not qualified to do that job. Yeah. And I think all of the things we're talking about here, most of them lettings obviously, but it applies to sales side as well, is that the route to, uh, the solution to all of these problems is to license the individuals and license the practices. And if your practice doesn't comply with this legislation, mm-hmm. your business will be shut down. If your people don't uh, abide by these rules of immigration, they will lose their license. Yep. And if you license people, and you have to be trained to a certain standard before you can show homes, I think you're gonna be in a good place. Yep.
0: It's the biggest transaction in people's lives, isn't Absolutely. it? You think yep. that would be the an obvious yep. place to start with licensing? Yep. In her first week, she did 24, 25 viewings. On the on the, upside, it the market's enough. picking up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah.